1: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: from the low. Welcome to the Buffy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got a tremendous show for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, we're going to be joined by Javon Alford. He does great work over at Sporting News. He's been doing a lot of player props this year, so We're going to be diving into how he's been going about those, what he's been finding value on. We're going to be taking a look at a few teams that have overachieved and underachieved thus far this season. Will there be regression with those? And we're also going to be taking a look at a few games that we've got going on for Sunday. So nice encompassing segment number two with Javon on tap. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M. I Naming mean, does that matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but We had a great day of baseball on Saturday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. There were some rough beats on unders in the ninth inning on Saturday. If you had the under in the Nationals versus Arizona Diamondbacks game, yeah, this one was a bad one as the Washington Nationals entered into the ninth inning of their game against the Arizona Diamondbacks down by a count of six to two. They put up a 5-spot in the ninth inning just to lose it in the 10th, 8-7. to The Arizona Diamondbacks get the job done as Mackenzie Gore, good start. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Did allow a home run as it was number one of the season for young gun Emmanuel Rivera. And then in the ninth inning, you had Lourdes Gurriel tie the game up with his third home run season off of Kyle Finnegan as... Kyle Finnegan did not do his job in the ninth inning. He gave up two runs and got one out. Prior to that, Mason Thompson, has been relatively reliable in this bullpen, gives up three runs in a third of an inning. Carlos Birds Jr. gives up a run in an inning, and he had a pair of outside the bullpen from Thaddeus Ward. But for Arizona, you got to be feeling really salty if you're Tommy Henry. Was in line for the win. Gave up two runs over the course of six innings. From there, Jose Ruiz, Kyle Nelson combined for two scoreless innings, and then Scott McGough. Let it go. He gave up. Two runs in a third of an inning as taking him deep. You had Kiber Ruiz get his third home run season. Then Lane Thomas gets his third home run season off of Andrew Chafin, who gave up three runs and didn't get a single out. Miguel Castro had to clean up the rest of that ninth inning before the Diamondbacks were able to rally and win. And then this one is just all sorts of bad. The Texas Rangers enter the top of the ninth inning up by kind count of three to zero. This is a total that it opened up right around eight and a half to nine in a lot of spots. I saw some closing eight, saw some closing eight and halves. Regardless of what you got, this was terrible. The Rangers scored 7 runs in the ninth inning to put this game over and win by God, a count of 10-1. to Really good start on Nathan Eovaldi, by the way. 8 scoreless innings. You did have from there a run given up by Yuri Rodriguez in the ninth, but by that time, this game was just dead and gone as Brandon Drury, 7th home run season. Reed Dedmers, not necessarily his best start, gives up 3 runs over the course of 4 innings. Ryan Tepera, Andrew Wants, they both lend a scoreless inning before Tucker Davidson pours lighter fluid on this one. Seven runs surrendered in two thirds of an inning. It got to the point where they had to put in the backup center fielder Brett Phillips to get the final out of the inning. And then, seeing out there in the West Coast, you saw the LA Dodgers get the job done against the Salam Diego Padres by a kind of two to one. Dustin May a really good start, six scoreless innings. Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, they both end a scoreless inning. And Brusdar Graterol gives up a run in an inning. Meanwhile, for the Padres, Blake Snell not a bad start. He now falls a one and five. This one was not on him. He gave up one hit, and that one hit just so happened to fly over the fence. As Chris Taylor got his sixth home run of the season, so he gave up two runs in six innings. From there, Brent Honeywell, Stephen Wilson, Dimmel, they all lend a scoreless inning. He saw the Baltimore Orioles come close, but no cigar against the Atlanta Braves. Five to four, the Braves get a pair of runs in the eighth inning to be able to get it done, as it was Kevin Pillar who was the hero. He gets home run number three of the season. That comes off of Danny Colombi as the starter in Kyle Bradish. Also a lot of home run to Marcel Ozuna. Sixth home run season for Bradish. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. From there you have Colombi give up that home run. At two-thirds of an inning. You lost one run by Baker. And inherited a runner for him. He went an inning giving up a run in C.N.L. Perez. Four outs of the bullpen scoreless. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, just one of nine with men in scoring position as Spencer Strider punched out 10. He was only able to go five innings, though, jacked up his pitch count a little bit, so from there, you had Dylan Lee, A.J. Minter, Rossi Iglesias, all end to scoreless inning, but Nick Anderson did allow a pair of runs along the way. A team that has been very good to the over is the Braves, by the way. 21-12-1 and one to the over thus far this season, and the Orioles now 20 overs, 12 unders, and a push themselves. The best team to the over, though, that would be the Boston Red Sox. They're now 24-10-1 and one to the over. That's a 70.6% hit rate. To the over seven to four, they take down the Philadelphia Phillies. Says Corey Kluber, not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. as Bryce Harper got his first home run season off of him, and then you saw Brendan Bernardino serve one up to Trey Turner down for what his fourth of the season as Bernardino gives up that one run in one and a third innings. John Schreiber, Kenley Jansen, both on the scoreless inning, and Josh Winkowski a pair of outside the bullpen scoreless and for the Boston Red Sox, no home runs, but they go five of fourteen with men in scoring position as Bailey Falter. He lived up to his name, gave up five runs in three and two-thirds innings. He did have Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jeff Hoffman, along with Gregory Soto on a scoreless inning as Connor Bogdan did a lot of two runs in his inning of work and Luis Ortiz one and a third inning scoreless, but yet another over for Boston. Your best under team in all of baseball, that would actually be the New York Yankees who came up with just enough offense to take down the Tampa Bay Rays, 3-2 to two, the final, the Rays 27-7. Still, the second best start that we've seen in baseball over the last 80 years, only that 84 Tigers team had a better start, but for Domingo Armand, gave up a pair of runs early over the course of five innings, and then bullpen went to work. Ron Medanaccio, along with Wandy Peralta, combined for two scoreless innings. Clay Holmes, Ian Hamilton, they both under scoreless inning for the Yankees. They go just 2 of 10 with men in scoring position, but they were able to strike late, as Drew Rasmussen, he did his part, gave up two hits in five and two-thirds inning scoreless. Ryan Thompson gets it out of the bullpen, but it was Jalen Beeks who gave up one of those runs in one and a third innings. And then Kevin Kelly he allows the other two and two thirds of an inning before you have Javi Guerra, who's going to be the opener for Sunday, by the way, get a scoreless inning of his own. You saw the Colorado Rockies take down the New York Mets by a count of 5-2 to two, as it's been a Colorado Rockies team that's been very good to the under. 20 unders to just 14 overs thus far this season as for Colorado Austin Gomber, Gombered up the Mets, two runs in six innings, Jake Bird, two scoreless innings, and then Pierce Johnson, scoreless inning of his own as Ezekiel Tovar went deep for a second home run season that came off of Steven Nogosic, Tyler Miguel, not long for this game, four two-thirds innings, lost three runs, and then Nogosic, two and a third innings of long relief, gives up that home run, two runs in total before Jeff Brigham and Dominic León. They were both able to end a scoreless inning for the Mets. They are now 17 and 17, and they have not covered the run line in any of their last five games. So they've been a little bit brutal on that front. The Milwaukee Brewers are starting to regress as well. They lose by a count of four to one to the San Francisco Giants, a Brewers team that has yet to win this month. They are now 0 and five here in the month. As for the Milwaukee Brewers, they go two of ten with Ben in scoring position. Colin Ray gave up three runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Theryos, shot a fifth home run season. And then it was home run number one for Brett Wisely. He wisely went deep uh, off of Tyson Miller, who gave up that solo run over the course of two innings. But for the Giants, Alex Cobb had it going on. Seven scoreless innings from their Camelia Duvall, John Brebbia. They combined to be able to pitch a ninth inning. Brebbia gave up a run along the way. And then you did have a scoreless inning on the former Brewer in Taylor Rogers. Well the Brewers struggles, not quite as bad as the St. Louis Cardinals says. For the Cardinals, Their losing streak is eight for the first time in 16 years. They lose to the Detroit Tigers by a count of 6 of 5. And for the Cardinals, they got up 3-0 to very early in this one. They were up by a count of 5-3 to towards back half of the game, and they could not hold on it. Spencer Turnbull, he gave up all the Tigers' runs in this one. Five runs of total surrender in four and two-thirds innings as with the St. Louis Cardinals. Nolan Arenado went deep off of him. Third home run season, and Dylan Carlson is second. But Adam Wainwright in his first start back, not sharp, gives up four runs over the course of five innings. From there, Drew Verhagen, a scoreless sending. Chris Stratton, one and two thirds hanging scoreless. But Genesis Cabrera allows a run while getting just one out, out of the bullpen. And then in the 10th inning, Giovanni Gagos gives up an unearned run. He won two innings in total, giving up that unearned run that starts on second base. So a little bit unfortunate there, but. For the Tigers, they were able to piecemeal together the bullpen to get the job done. Jose Cicerno, Wolves, they both get five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Jason Sharif, along with Tyler Holton, they were able to hold it down with a combined two scoreless settings between the two of them. The Chicago Cubs continue to be relatively solid. They take down the Miami Marlins by a count of 4-2 as for Miami. You had Matt Barnes be the opener in this game as it was pretty much a poo platter of pitchers as Barnes, Andrew Nardi, Tanner Scott, they all land a squirrel ascending. You did have Oscar Brazobin giving you a squirrel ascending, as well as a boat guy, Brian Hoying. He gave up a one run over the course of three innings, but it's A.J. Puck that cost them three runs, two of which weren't a lot while getting just one out of the bullpen. Then he brought in Chichi Gonzalez to close out the eighth inning, and for the Miami Marlins, really lone form of offense was Jorge Soler. Gets the seventh home run season, then came off of Drew Smiley, who was not long for this game. Jacked up his pitch count to 83 and three in a third innings, giving up just two runs, but was unable to continue. Keegan Thompson. Good, longer leaf. Three scoreless innings. Michael Rucker won in two-thirds innings scoreless, and Adair Alzaleigh was able in a scoreless inning as well. The Cleveland Guardians have been a very good team to the under themselves. 21 unders, 11 overs, and a push in. They get it done against the Minnesota Twins by a count of 4-3. to three As for the Twins, Sonny Gray, where's the start of the year for him? Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Orde Alcala from there allows a solo run over the course of his two innings as Stephen Kwan gets his first of the campaign before Giovanni Morin was able to lend a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for the Guardians, Logan Allen, he was able to give this team length and wiggled out of a couple sticky situations giving up two runs in five and two-thirds innings including home run as Max coupler took him deep for his fifth home run season and Carlos Correa would go deep off of Trevor Stephen a little bit later on. Fifth home run season but for the Twins they got 0-7 with men in scoring position. For Stephen he gave up that home run in one and a third innings. Sam Etijes, James Karinchek combined for a scoreless inning and Emmanuel Clase closes the door. He was able to land a scoreless inning. DK Nation right up Unfortunately, it goes down as, for me, it's been very streaky. I've been following up a lot of 4-plus game win streaks with a pair of losses. Hopefully, we can get back on track on Sunday. 8-2, to the Toronto Blue Jays took it to the Buccos as Jose Barrios. Very good start in this one. I will give him a little bit of credit. Two-run surrender. In six in the third innings, including a home run to Jack Swinisky, as Swinisky goes deep for home run number seven of the season. Meanwhile, Johan Oviedo did not have it. Seven runs, six of which were earned, allowed in five innings. As from there, you did have a pair of scoreless innings from Johan Ramirez and. Cody Bolton, well, he was not bolting it down. He gave up one run over the course of two innings. Meanwhile, for the Blue Jays, bullpen did their part. Tim Meza was able to end a squirrel sending along. Jay Jackson had a pair of outs out of the bullpen out of Anthony Bass. He, I guess, decided to put aside his popcorn differences and actually pitch in this one. He saw some very good pitching from the Oakland A's bullpen, something I didn't think I would say a lot of, 5-4. The Oakland A's get it done as Ken Waldichuk got lit up once again. He gives up six hits, six walks, four runs allowed over the course of five innings. As for the Kansas City Royals, they took him deep twice. Bobby Witt Jr. gets a second home run season. And Freddie Furman was able to get his second home run season. But for the Royals, they leave 15. got him 15 men on base. And Brady Singer, he was singing the blues. Giving up five runs over the course of four innings, including home run to J.J. Blade A for his second home run season. For the A's. It combined four scoreless endings out of Zach Jackson, Sam Ball, Richard Lovelady, and Aroni Garcia. Meanwhile, the Royals bullpen actually did a solid job as well. Taylor Clark, two scoreless endings, and then Scott Barlow, Josh Stamount, along with Josh Taylor. They were all able to end a scoreless ending of their own. You saw the Cincinnati Reds beyond a win 5 to 3. They take down the Chicago White Sox as Mike Clevenger. another less than terrific start. Four runs surrendered over the course of six innings as it was TJ Friedel who was able to get his third home run season. For Friedel, he had a triple and a home run, so single and a double short of the cycle. Nick Lerolo, he gave up three runs in three and two-thirds innings as well, so not a great start as he gave up a home run to Sebby Zavala and Enser Alberto. Both of them got their second home runs of the season, but for the Reds, their bullpen was magnificent. Alexis Diaz, a scoreless inning. Gabo, two scoreless innings, and Derek Law, two and a third inning scoreless. For the White Sox, you had Gregory Santos give up a run in an inning, and Alex Colme actually was able to end a scoreless inning, but a little bit of a case of too little too late. And if you're looking at totals, well, hopefully you've been early on some of these moves because we have been seeing things yo-yo and zigzag with regards to totals, but bookmakers, they are certainly doing their part to put up some good numbers. 244 overs to 240 unders. I believe that we've had about 16 pushes along the way. So overs are currently hitting at a 50.4% clip. Favorites, they continue to be rock solid this year. Hitting at 59.3% rate, 297 and 204 straight up. But if you're looking at the run line, that's been a little bit more of a different circumstance as we have now seen 76 different teams Be unable to cover the run line as favorites on the run line 221 and 282 when laying the run and a half. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the last seven days of Major League Baseball, it has been a little bit of bloodbath for favorites. Favorites are 42 and 50 straight up. So if you've taken the underdog, you're 50 and 42 straight up just in the last seven days. And with the run line, you've been really having a rough time of it for favorites as just 31 favorites have covered the minus one and a half run line. So 11 of the teams have won outright, and over the last seven days, very even Steven with regards to the totals 46 overs to 45 unders. So that has been interesting to take a look at as well. I believe we've had just one push along the way. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Javon Alford. He does great work over at Sporting News, taking a look at player props, doing an amazing job on that front. So we're going to be taking a look at that, how he's trying to extract value, some of the splits that he takes a look at, and we're going to dive into a few games for Sunday, along with some ascending-slash-descending teams. That is up next right here on the Baseball Winning Show with myself, Greg Peterson,
1: now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here at LB Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to be joined by this man as Javon Alford does great job over there at Sporting News. He's been doing a good job all season long. Taking a look at what we've all been getting in the great game of baseball as I know that he's been giving out some sides to totals, but where he's really been finding a lot of value has been some player props. I know that along with another friend of the network, Adam Rosenberg, have been doing a great job on that front. And to be able to follow Javon on Twitter, that is at Javon, the number 10. So that is J-O-V-A-N, and then the number 10 altogether. And
4: Javon, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Hey, I'm glad to be on, Greg. Appreciate you for having me.
3: I appreciate you, Javon. And first things first, before we dive into some teams and we dive into some games for Sunday, where have you been finding a lot of success with regards to the player prop market? Because I know that there's been a lot of buzz about the new rules making things a little bit different for being able to gauge player props, and I think that that has been a little bit of an angle of yours this far this
4: season. Oh yeah, definitely. When it comes to player props, last year I was really like heavy into like K props. And, you know, total base props, like, slightly diving into that. But now it's coming into this year, it seems like the K prop market has just been completely just, like, tanked to the point where we're getting, like, juicy odds and we're not getting the same result that we would have seen for, like, some of the, like, better pitchers in the league that we're not seeing against, you know, teams that are, like, real strikeout heavy. With that being in mind, I decided to go and pivot to just straight total base props, which I believe, you know, for anybody that's betting props in baseball, I think it's a very profitable and it's a very fun way you know, to look at the game, right? Because you can get, we're talking about, you know, star players, the Buxton, the Harpers, the Vlad Guerreros. I mean, Brian Reynolds, who's having a great year, like all these type of guys for plus money for a total base prop, which is only over one and a half in a lot of books. So I feel like, and with that, you only need, what, two hits or a double or a home run or a triple for that to hit. And I feel like those are so easy to figure out, especially if this guy's on a hitting streak or, you know, they, they have a good matchup against a certain pitcher or hitting right-handers a little bit better. So I've been finding a lot of value and a lot of fun with the total base props and trying to get into HRR, but obviously a lot of books don't really have that one. So it's really been just straight total base props for me.
3: I know that you have taken a look at a few home run props, which I do feel like those are a little bit more of a roll of the dice because, I mean, we saw Aaron Judge set the American League record with 62 home runs and... Not all 62 were in 62 separate games, so you know, no doubt about it should be getting a rather nice plus price if you're at all taking a look at a home run prop, unless they're playing the game in Mexico City. But however I've right. been sort of gauging those because those are, I feel like, probably not like as much of big, giant plays, but they're more sprinkles on a few guys that you think, could be able to hit at like a plus four dollar, plus four fifty. Do you just sort of take a look at what you do with a lot of total base props, where it's sort of like a good matchup against lefties, against a certain pitcher, what have you?
4: Yeah, that's exactly how I look at it, right? And like you said, I think that is so like so smart. What you mentioned about. Home run props, you know, sprinkling, right? You never really want to try to go full unit, depending on what your unit is, just because there's so much variance in a guy, you know, hitting a home run rather than a total base prop. So for me, it's been, I've actually been having a lot of fun betting on home run props, you know, earlier in the season when we didn't really have like a lot of statistics and data to back up on, you know, certain guys, you were really leaning on, you know, matchups, like how was this hitter? against this pitcher, right? Or even n- remembering, like, Jordan Lyles was giving up a ton of home runs last year, right? And wondering if he going to continue that same type of trend. But as we've got deeper into the season now, as we in May, we do have some stats and some, you know, and some facts to kind of help kind of pick and kind of narrow down, like, who do you target in a lot of home run props. And I got to give, you know, a big credit to our guy, Adam, you know, his model that he came up with on how to, like, narrow down you know, certain guys when you're looking at barrel rate and what's the pitcher, is he a fly ball pitcher, is he ground ball, and what's the pitches that a lot of these hitters are locating on if there's a pull or they're or they're going oppo or they're hitting the ball straight. A lot of different things, and his model has been, I think, really successful in kind of narrowing down and kind of giving you a little bit more deeper insight on, okay, like this guy's like barreling the ball like really good right now, and he might have a good chance of hitting one out of the park.
3: And I would not doubt if there's been a little bit of a different baseball use this season as well. As I know that there was this nice stat of, through 447 games this season, there had been 1,012 home runs last season, 819. And we have had a little bit of better weather just across the United States this season. But I don't think that that's necessarily too much of a coincidence either. And that means a nice feast for those that are taking a look at some home run props. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Javon Alford, he does amazing work over at Sporting News. And, Javon, I know that you're out there in the state of Pennsylvania, and it has been rather interesting to take a look at both of the teams in the area. Typically, it's reserved for more or less taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, but the Pittsburgh Pirates, they suffer a little bit of a loss on Saturday, but still 20 and 14 overall entered into the weekend second-best record in the National League. I know that you were talking a little bit earlier about Brian Reynolds, him being a little bit of a moneymaker for you in terms of betting on some of his props. What have you seen out the Pirates as far and Do you think that perhaps, because now they're riding a five-game losing streak, that they're starting to come back to earth a little bit?
4: I definitely think they'll come back to earth a little bit just because when you look at their starting rotation, statistically their best pitcher, I think, ERA was, was Vince, Velas- is Vince Velasquez. And I know he left his start earlier this week, you know, I think with an injury. So I think with the Pirates, I think we probably will see a little bit of regression going forward. But if their offense continues to play how they play, and this is crazy. They're doing this also with O'Neill Cruz, who a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for coming earlier in the season. So when you got Reynolds hitting, I think McCutcheon leads the team in home runs with six. And I don't think none of us saw like McCutcheon having like this bounce back resurgence back in Pittsburgh. You got Jack Swinskey doing his thing and a whole host of other guys This it's actually been probably one of the more fun stories to watch in baseball and you start thinking your mind right we remember what the Orioles are able to do last year and kind of surprise everyone and you kind of think to yourself could this Pirates team be the Orioles of last year with the
3: Pittsburgh Pirates it's been nice to be able to watch them be able to ascend don't think they're going to be able to continue quite the same trajectory they had towards the beginning part of the season but It certainly helps when you've got this team as well, struggling the way that they have the St. Louis Cardinals are currently 10 and 24 and they're 10 games back of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now I don't think we're going to see another 10 and 24 run for the St. Louis Cardinals, but the more I watch this team, the more that I am convinced that they're relatively bad because with the St. Louis Cardinals, even though the offense has been relatively fine, as a matter of fact, I believe that they're average to above average in terms of runs scored thus far this season. They just can't pitch to save their lives. And if you can't pitch in the big leagues, you know what? Even if you are slugging out a bunch of runs, must we are the Boston of Red Sox, that's going to lead to doomsday.
4: That's been the big thing, right, with the Cardinals is, is they're starting pitching. And you just look at their numbers this season. We're talking 517 ERA at home. We're looking at a 650 ERA just this month. Last month, 425, that's not great, but you'll chalk it up to it's the beginning of the season in April. But overall, as a team, they're not pitching despite having Goldschmidt, Arenado, who's only in 241, but we know the type of hitter Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado can be, and you think they'll turn it around. The question is for the Cardinals going forward is what can you get out that rotation? Can Miles Michaelis turn it around? You know, can Flattery and, you know, even Matt kind of turn things around because You're looking at those three guys in general. They've given up 18 home runs combined between those three guys. And you can't win in Major League Baseball like that. And they have to get that cleaned up because if your best pitcher is Jordan Montgomery, don't get me wrong, he's done excellent this season, you're going to be in trouble. Especially in that division where it's it's competitive, right? We just mentioned the Pirates, the Brewers, you know, they're playing good baseball this season. And even the Cubs have been very competitive in the Central. So they're going to have to get this together because – no matter who you are, you don't want to start off April and May, you know, too far, you know, below 500.
3: Absolutely agree because, I mean, you can have a nice second half run. We've seen that with the Cardinals already pulling off a 17-game win streak just two (laughs) seasons ago. That said, you don't want to be completely buried and unable to get pieces at the trade deadline, which right now that's what the St. Louis Cardinals are in danger of doing when you're 10-24 and and the only two teams in the big leagues – With a worse record than you are the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland A's, which, fittingly enough, they're playing this weekend, as we do have Javon Alford, who does great work over at Sporting News, joining me right here on the podcast, and or just a few other teams in general that have stood out to you Maybe either that you think that they're off to a little bit of a slow start and they're going to be able to pick it up, or they're off to this really hot start and you think that maybe there's going to be a little bit of a regression with them.
4: I think for me, teams that you know that are standing out to me, you got to look at the Minnesota Twins, right? This is a team that, we, that you probably say over the last couple of years, they're close and they're just right there, but just something happens, right? The rotation kind of falters. Or Byron Buxton gets hurt. Buxton is healthy. And this starting rotation has been outstanding. Sonny Gray has been electric. Joe Ryan just picking back up where he left off as a rookie. And then you get the addition of Pablo Lopez in the offseason, you know, for a guy like Luis Arias, who, you know, was the batting champion in the American League. So the Twins have been really playing well for me. The Red Sox, same thing, right? Pitching hasn't been excellent for them, but they've rounded out. Inform, you know, offensively, you know, led by Raphael Devers, and people probably was going to wonder, you know, what was going to happen to that offense without a guy like Xander Bogarts and even Trevor Story, Adam Duvall, Hurt. Devers has kind of carried the load, but he's not doing it alone. As you have, you know, Yoshida, the rookie, he's been just talk about a guy that's, you know, not showing signs of a rookie, one of the hottest hitters in baseball. So those two teams in the American League have been. You know, surprising. And then in the National League for me, the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have been playing good baseball. And I, again, I don't think nobody, you know, saw that. But again, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, a great two, one, two punch to lead that rotation. And then, like I said, the Cubs, another team that I don't think none of us kind of knew what to expect from them. But they've been able to hold their own so far. You know, the addition of Danby Swanson, he didn't hit his first home run until later into the season. But Strowman and Tyon, and Wineski, like those guys are really playing good baseball. And they just uh, called up Matt Mervis on Thursday and he made his be on, fr- on Friday. Hopefully I give that offense a big punch because you're looking at a guy that was a power hitter down in the minor form. So those are just a couple of teams that stood out to me outside of, you know, the bottom dwellers like the Royals and the Athletics who are trying to figure out what direction they want to possibly go in.
3: Yeah, with the A's especially, I think we know what direction they're going in. They're going in the direction of lovey Las Vegas, where hopefully they'll spend <laughs> right. a little bit of money because I believe that their payroll is actually less this year than it was like 20 years ago. It's just really sad to watch them. So we shall see what happens there, and we shall see what happens on the board for Sunday as we've got all 30 teams in action. We do have a few TBD starters. We do have a few games that are currently off the board, but things are starting to solidify As we do this recording, Javon, and just want to throw this out there and see if you've got anything that you're taking a look at, whether that be for some player prop leans, which typically those are going to be listed a little bit more towards the AM. It's a little bit harder to get down overnight on player props, but maybe a side or a total that you might be taking a look at for Sunday.
4: For me, I'm possibly, and we just talked about these things weirdly enough, I'm looking at that Oakland A's Kansas City Royals game, specifically just for player prop wise, number one, just because Ryan Yarbrough, has not been good at all, and I think that's just been a synopsis of this Royals starting rotation for the most part. They could put up some runs up on this guy. You're looking at a pitcher with a, with a, seven, with a 7.4 ERA, 24 hits allowed in 20.2 in his pitch. I'm thinking, looking forward to, you know, maybe the first five. I might have to consider, you know, laying that plus 108 on the first five run line minus a half run with the Athletics, just because I think they can get to this guy and we don't think of the athletics as a team that puts up a ton of runs and they don't really have the star power offensively, but they've been able to put up some runs against the Kansas City Royals just this this weekend alone with the guys that they have, like Rooker and Blade and Langelier and Stewie Reed at the top of the order who just causes all type of havoc once he gets on the base pass. So I'm looking at that, especially if the Royals continue to trek the way they've been trekking at home right now.
3: Yeah, and I do think that – With looking a little bit more at a first five with the Oakland A's, that might be a tad bit smarter as well because, man, I can't tell you how bad this Oakland A's bullpen is. (laughs) It has been just ridiculous. (laughs) Entering into Saturday, by the way, dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpen rate at 680. They had a DFA half their bullpen midweek just because they were so bad after they allowed that five spot in the 10th inning to the Seattle Mariners, which – That was a very fortunate win for me on that one, and I am not going to apologize about that one bit. And to your point, Mason Miller actually has been relatively solid for the Oakland A's, some Mm -hmm. no-hit innings in his last start for them. So that is going to be an interesting game. And, Javon, I know that you're doing a great job taking a look at the game of baseball day in and day out, but I know that you're doing a lot of other things as well. I know that you've been locked in with regards to the NBA playoffs, which has been so interesting. I know that you obviously – do a good job of following football when that's in season as well. So, all the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. Once again, appreciate you for having me on Sport News, a lot of daily fantasy, DFS, player props, betting, baseball, NBA, USFL, XFL, all that good stuff right there. But also for Philadelphia sports stuff, you can check out TotalsportsLive.com, Total Sports Live podcast with me and Harrison Brown.
3: And Javon does a great job on so many different fronts right now. His main two things are taking a look at the game of baseball and taking a look at the NBA player props as well. But he's very well-rounded, able to find value in so many different markets. And every single time he joins this podcast, wants great insights much like he did today. So big thanks to Javon Holford for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
2: Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the
0: BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to be able to get Javon Alford on today. He does great work over at Sporting News. I know that he's been doing a tremendous job all season long. Taking a look at a lot of these player props. So well, it was good to be able to get that perspective aboard. I know that he's also out there in the great state of Pennsylvania where it's been an interesting year for the Pirates and the Philadelphia Phillies. So big thanks to Javon for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. Now it is that time the podcast and I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we...
1: Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
3: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gnnrnsquarty 41 We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any Interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 951, 952 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are on the road facing off against the New York Mets. Joey Lucchese goes for the Mets. Ryan Feltner is on the bump for Colorado. Total is 9 with the under at anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Mets, I did set the minus 211 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're finding that between even money and minus 105, I was willing to go up to a minus 110. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Mets run line recognize that this offense has been quite a bit less than savory as for the New York Mets they enter having scored a whopping three runs in their last three games, four runs in their last four, so it's not been so terrific, but I do think that Ryan Feltner is doing for some pretty massive regression, a career ERA that's a little bit north of five, and, and I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's been very good in his last few starts. Three total starts. He has given up three runs, two of which were earned, four walks in that time span. But I do think that things are going to start to compound a little bit. So has four and a half walks per nine innings thus far this season on the road. He has had his issues as well as he's given up north of four and a half walks. Per nine innings. Swing and miss off, by the way, this year. Much better for him. He's up to nine strikeouts per nine innings. But I do think that with Ryan Feldner, he still does give up a lot of hard contact. When you're going up against someone like a Pete Alonso, who's been able to slug out 11 home runs, that should be able to get him right. And this is a Mets team that, as a collective, they are hitting just a 236. They still do a solid job, though, of moving the line. One of the best teams at being able to take pitches, be able to draw walks, in the big league, says you've got a pair of guys in Brett Patty, along Omar Nervaez that have north of a 350 on base. Jeff McNeil, Daniel Vogelback, Brandon Nimmo, at uh, least a 387 on base as well. What's really killing them is bottom of the fold guys like Starling Marte, Tommy Pham, Francisco Alvarez, Eduardo Escobar hitting below a 220. That has been brutal. And with the Colorado Rockies, they were able to put up a five spot yesterday, but this bunch has been very brutal with their bats on the road all season long. Last year, they were the top team in terms of runs per game at home, dead last in terms of runs per game on the road. It's a very common occurrence with the Colorado Rockies since the beginning of the 2022 season, averaging fewer than 3.1 runs per contest. No other team averaging fewer than 3.35 runs per game. They entered into yesterday at 2.17 on the road with a 2.83 on base and just not supplying a lot of power. They had 11 home runs in 17 games on the road. Going into um, yesterday, you've had CJ Crone be able to get some home runs on the road. But that was in the first series of the season before really the elevation changes were we're able to take hold. So, I do think that there are some concerns there. You have had Charlie Blackman be able to move the line. He's been able to give the seam a 365 on base. And I do think that Randall Gritchick getting into the fold, that's big. He's at a 455 ever since he's come back, obviously. Then he'll be coming back to Earth, but also Laias he is. He's been able to 343, but you don't necessarily have a lot of power with this Colorado Rockies seam now. What I will say for the Rockies is that their bullpen has been much better this year. They bring in Brent Suter, who currently has a sub on the area. Pierce Johnson has not been too terrific, but Brian see It will give you a sub four ERA when you're playing half your games in Coors Field. That's actually relatively solid. And for the New York Mets, this has been a top 10 bullpen in terms of VRA this season. I'm a little bit old, but being able to get good innings out of David Robertson, Tommy Hunter has been a disaster, but now you've got Dominic Leone back at the fold. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. And I do think that Joey Lucchese is going to be able to do a solid job. He's seen three starts thus far this season. He has given up the three home runs, which is a little bit of a concern, but I do think that going up against this Colorado Rock punch is going to be exactly what he needs. Just four walks in 16 and a third innings thus far this season, so command has been relatively on points. I might tell it at 8.4, looking at the under, and with the Mets, one we'll to lay up to a minus 110 on the run line. and am 53 954 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins on the road, going up against the Chicago Cubs. Ada Wozneski goes for the Cubs. Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for Miami. And the Fish are between minus 118 to minus 125 favorites between plus 105 and plus 112, your number on Chicago. Currently, no numbers up on this game. A lot of that is because of the Wrigley Field win. There is going to be most books that are going to be waiting until the AM to post up a number with regards to the total. I can tell you right now that I set mine at a 7.8. So 7.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And 8 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Seems like early on in this game, we're going to be getting some directional wind. We might get the wind blowing in a little bit towards the middle slash back part of this game, but it's going to be more around 5 to 7 miles per hour, so the wind should not be a massive factor here. It might help out the pitchers a little bit, but I don't think that it's going to be any sort of a major role player in in this game, and with that said, I did set the Cubs as a minus 113 favorite, so I am going to be taking a look at the Cubs getting a plus price for Sandy Alcantara. He just has not been himself thus far this season, and even last year, he wasn't much of a swing and miss guy. This year, he's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, which is pretty much on par slash a little bit better than what he did last season, but that said for Sandy Alcantara, he has been giving you right around three walks per nine innings, and what was really big for Sandy last year is that he was able to provide length. He's won fewer than six innings and now three out of his last four starts. He's given up at least three runs and three out of his last four starts as well. He's honestly been able to do a little bit of better job with the swing and miss stuff, but that's not really his game. Meanwhile, Hayden Wozneski, I recognize that there are some underlying numbers and the fact that he has been giving up some hard contact that does lead you to to be a little bit tepid with regards to him. But he has given up one run or fewer. And now three out of his last four starts. Not much of a strikeout guy. He's gotten six strikeouts over the course of his last three starts. Those starts spanning a grand total of 15 in a third innings. But he does a nice job holding down the fort. Doesn't really give up a lot of walks. A 2.7 walks per nine rate. And for the Chicago Cubs... They entered into Saturday the top team in the National League in terms of overall batting average among guys that have seen at least 41 at-bats thus far this season. Every one of them, except for Patrick Wisdom, are all hitting at least a 250. and for Wisdom, he's been able to supply 11 home runs. you got so many guys like Cody Bellinger, Jan Gomes, Dancy Swanson, Ian App, all hitting at least a 285 for this team. They do a solid job of be able to draw some walks as well. Now with the Cubs, not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen in the world. They entered into this series 18th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. But for the Miami Marlins, it's not like they're doing any better. They're currently 25th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. As Michael Former Brian Boxberger, they've been a little bit of a miss, But I really like what I've seen out of Mike Leiter Jr. in this Cubs bullpen. Sub 2 ERA. I do think that you're going to be able to get some good long relief out of Keegan Thompson moving forward as well. And then for the Miami Marlins, they're so without JT Chargois has been a little bit of an issue. They had to really use up so many guys with throwing an opener and Matt Barnes for Brian Hoying, only gave you three innings. So this team is relatively tired with A.J. Puck and company coming out of the bullpen. Steven Oakert is up in himself thus far this season. So I do think that you've got some value here on the Chicago Cubs. Like I said, with regards to a total 7.5 let less, looking at the over, 8 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. And with the Cubs, made them the favorite on the money line. So, Riding with that, comes money line to go along with that total that we shall see upon in the AM. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the road faceoff against the San Francisco Giants. Ross Tripling goes for the Giants. And it is Adrian Hauser who makes his season debut for the Milwaukee Brewers. half to 9 is your total on the 8.5 over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. The over and the under are both at minus 110. Giants are between minus 120 to minus 130. Favors between plus 105 and plus 110 is the number on the Milwaukee Brewers. I did set the Giants as very slight favorites of a minus 104, so being able to get north of a plus 105, I'm going to be one to take a shot on the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, it has been a case where Adrian Houser began the season on the injured list, has been making four rehab starts at the AAA level. Hasn't necessarily been going overly deep in a lot of these starts, but I do think that he's going to be able to do an okay job for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's backed up by a Brewers bullpen that, well, prior to recent events, was looking very solid. This is a Brewers team that entered into Saturday in terms of bullpen. area. still right around 11th in the league with that regard. Peter Strasilecki has been having a little bit of a tough time, but I do think that these guys are going to be able to pick it up. You've got someone in Bryce Wilson, who has proven to be a relatively solid long guy thus far this season. And when it comes to Ross Stripling, he has a few similarities to Adrian Hauser. Neither of these guys are necessarily power pitchers. Both of these guys, when it's all said and done, are probably going to have right around about seven to seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Both of these guys pride themselves on command, though, I will say, for his career. Adrian Houser, 3.7 walks per nine innings. That's just not going to cut it thus far this season. For Ross Tripling, just five walks in 20 and two-thirds innings. So he's been able to do an okay job there. And I will say for Ross Tripling, he's been able to hold down the four, giving up a combined six runs over the course of his last four appearances. Now, the problem with that is that three out of his last four appearances have been three and a third innings or less. He was finally able to go five innings. His last third against the Houston Astros gave up two runs in that one, so nothing great, nothing terrible, but he is also backed up by one of the most atrocious bullpens that you are going to find in the big leagues as the San Francisco Giants. Entered into Saturday night, dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA at a 6.04. As you really don't have a lot of guys here you're able to trust, in Camilo Evolve, and Camille involved has been able to do a solid job for this team. He's currently supplying an ERA that's right around about a 2.60. Scott Alexander lies here at a sub 3 ERA, but when you get into Rogers squared, along with John Brebbia. Guys like this. They just have not been too terrific now for the San Francisco Giants, but it's really been helping them out. is the deep ball, but because they play at Oracle Park, that actually is the disadvantage of them. They are currently averaging two home runs per game on the road. That is the top mark in the National League. 1.2 home runs per game when they are at home. That's relatively league average, maybe a little bit above average, but you know what? When you have to try to hit it out at Oracle Park, it's not so easy, and with the Giants, they do a really good job with their platoon splits. I don't think you're going to have anyone that has north of 30 home runs this season. If you do, it's probably going to be J.D. Davis, who's been able to supply a two eighty average. He's been able to go deep seven times this far this season. But, I mean, outside of J.D. Davis, you've got a pair of guys with six home runs. Wilbur Flores, Lamonte Wade Jr. You've had Blake Sabo, Mikey Stremski, both give you five. And then you've got four different guys with four. So, guys have been all over the place, but you do have some guys that are Failing to move the line, David VR, Brandon Crawford, Michael Gaforto, only below the Mendel's line of a 200, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, after a good start to the season, this has been an offense that's really been coming back to earth. The Kara Mitchell injury has been certainly hurting them, and just not getting what you paid for out of Christian Yelich. I mean, the guy's been providing about a 235 batting average, not necessarily a whole heck of a lot there. Roddy Tellas, though. So? Nine home runs, hitting about a 250 going to yesterday. You're certainly going to be taking that. Brian Anderson has been able to provide a 335 on base. And got a lot of guys in Anderson, William Thomas, Telez, Owen Miller, all these guys providing about a 325 to a 340 ish on base. So I do think that the Milwaukee Birds are going to be able to generate a little bit of offense. I do think that's going to be a bit of a slog for both of these teams to score. Now, San Francisco, a little bit more hitter-friendly during the daytime than the nighttime, but I do think that Owls are going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. I think that this ballpark is very suited for them, and I do think that the Brewers' advantage in the bullpen lends to their advantage. So, I did set the Brewers where a plus one of 5 or greater will take them on the money line, and set told it an 8.3, so here between an 8.5 to a 9, also looking under, 9.57, 9.58. On the betting board, it is the Washington Nationals on the road facing off Against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ryan Nelson goes for the Snakes and Trevor Williams is on the bum for Washington and the Nationals are between plus 140 and plus 148 underdogs and in between minus 155 and minus 168 is your number on Arizona. Nine and a half the total. The unders is were between minus 110 to a minus 120. The overs any were between even and minus 110 and with the Arizona Diamondbacks made the minus 173 on the money line was willing to take a plus 110 or greater on the run line. Trevor Williams is not the concern here, honestly, for the Washington Nationals, as he's been a pretty steady-eddy guy. He's not going to go out there and he's going to give you, like, seven scoreless innings or anything like that, but he is going to do his job. He's got a 3.41 ERA this far this season, and he's going to provide some length, a little bit over two walks per nine innings, but he is someone that is going to give up quite a bit of contact, not much of a swing-and-miss guy about seven strikeouts, per nine innings, and when it comes to Ryan Nelson, he is still a little bit of a work in progress for this Arizona Diamondbacks team as well. Three plus runs for four out of his last five stars. Certainly has been having a bit of a tough time getting strikeouts himself, as he's only getting right around five and a half to six strikeouts for 9 innings as well, but this is a Washington Nationals team that is currently dead last in the National League in terms of total home runs. Entering into yesterday a whopping 19 home runs over the course of 32 games, and you only have 3 guys with north of 2 home runs on the team, as Lewis Garcia, Alex of 3 home runs, and Jameer Candelario has been able to provide 4. Now, what is helping out the Washington Nationals is that they don't strike out a lot. As a matter of fact, they are number one in the league in terms of few strikeouts. And you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. As Victor Robles has been able to provide about a three eighty on base, and then you've got Call along with Lane Thomas, Stone Garrett, Michael Chavis, Dominic Smith. All between about a 320 to a 333 on base, but you just don't have those guys that are able to drive in runs. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks entering into the series, they had the top batting average at home of any team in the National League. You're starting to get Christian Walker to turn it around after a rough start to the season he entered into yesterday, hitting a 270 with seven home runs. And just take a look at his last 15 days, hitting a 357 with five bombs. He has been absolutely tremendous for this team, and it's been a lot of unlikely guys that have been able to step up for this team. I did like Corbett Carroll towards the beginning part of the season. He's been able to swipe 10 bags, 380 on base. That has been terrific, but you've got Joshua Ross, along with Walker, Lourdes Gurriel, Quetel Marte, Paven Smith, even the backup catcher in Jose Herrera, who have been able to hit between about a two fifty nine to two seventy five. Gabriel Moreno's hitting about a three hundred, and Geraldo Perdomo is hitting nearly a 400. it It's been absolutely ridiculous what we'll be seeing out of that now, with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Washington Nationals pretty equal in terms of their bullpens. Both of these teams entered into the series anywhere between about 19th and 24th in terms of bullpen era. With the Arizona and Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafe and Miguel Castro have been good additions. And now they've got Joe Mantapai back the fold as well. He's got about a three ERA this far this season. Kyle Nelson has been amazing as well. And then for the Washington Nationals, Carl Edwards Jr., Mason Thompson, pair of guys with a sub-three ERA. R.V. has been able to hold down the 4 of month Andres Machado as well. So I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to get some okay bullpen play with both of these starters. Neither of them get a lot of swings and misses, but I think that they're going to do enough to keep the ball in the air to keep this total under semi at a 9.3. So looking at the 9.5 under for Arizona, I think that they just back up Ryan Nelson better. So willing to take them on the run line with the Diamondbacks to go along with this total under 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres playoffs to the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias goes for the Dodgers and Joe Musgrove is on the bump for the Padres. Padres are pretty much minus 105 across the board, but the Dodgers find them between minus 105 to a minus 115. It is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And with the Dodgers set them at a minus 122, I'm going to be willing to back Julio Arias and company because with Arias, if you take a look at him since the beginning part of the 2021 season, his ERA on the road has been about a half a point better than it has been at home. Now, we've seen a little bit of reversal this year. He's gotten a up in a few of his road starts as far this season as when he went to Chicago he gave up 5 runs in that start, 6 runs surrendered in his start in Pittsburgh but I do think that he's going to be able to turn around just a 3.86 ERA this far this season for Julio Rios because he has given up 8 home runs and he has given up a grand total of 7 home runs across his last 4 starts I do think though that giving up just 1 run in 7 innings against the Philadelphia Phillies is going to be able to get him right and for Joe Musgrove, he's made 2 starts this year and one of those starts came in Mexico City so I mean, it's really hard to be able to take a look at his numbers this year and put any sort of credence behind it whatsoever. I take a look at his 2022 numbers. He had a 2.86 ERA. He was very rock solid with that regard. And in three starts against the LA Dodgers, he did give up four home runs in 17 and a third innings, 3.63 ERA against the Dodgers. Oh, you know what? That's not the world's worst results. The biggest thing for the San Diego Padres is being able to get their offense going because you've got a lot of guys that they just have not been too terrific. If you throw out the uh, series in Mexico City, this is a San Diego Padres team that ranks in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, and they rank in the bottom five in terms of overall batting average. We are starting to see some of these guys pick it up a little bit more, but you still have Matt Carpenter, Juan Soto, Hasung Kim, Alon Trunk Grisham, all in between about a 225 to a 235. Manny Machado, he's hitting now about a 245, but I mean, it's really all been all about Xander Bogart, hitting a 285, six bombs, Fernando Tatis Jr. in the multi-arm run game against Clayton Kershaw, which should be able to bring him back, but for the LA Dodgers, they entered into Saturday. Leading the National League in terms of both home runs and total runs, Max Muncy, big league leader in terms of home runs with 12. What has been hurting this team have been some of the guys at the bottom of the fold that you've had guys like Jason Awer, Miguel Roas, Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, hitting below a 225. That's been a little bit of an issue, but getting back Will Smith is absolutely massive. I see him Freddie Freeman. James Ellman as well, hitting above a 275. All these guys are able to supply some power Mookie Betts is starting to pick it up as well. Big thing for the Dodgers is this bullpen was number one in the National League last year in terms of ERA. Thus far this season, they have been anything but that. As a matter of fact, they entered into Saturday number 23 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. They currently do not have Alex Vesia. They picked up Wanderer. I swear, oh, this guy sucks, which is not good, but you still have Gayla Bergeson, Broussarder Grider, all guys that are able to give you a sub-3 ERA. And then for the San Diego Padres, Josh Hader is absolutely amazing, but who's going to be able to get him the ball? As Steven Wilson has been a little bit of a mess this season. Domingo Tapia has really never been too great throughout his career. Luis Garcia is rocking north of a 5 ERA, so... I mean, that's a little bit of a concern that you have on both sides. I do think that Julio so Rios, he was able to have a really nice start. And I do think that Joe Musgrove is going to find his form as well. And start in Mexico City really jacked up his numbers. And I do think that... We're going to see the 2022 form of Joe Musgrove. semi toll at 7.3. So, looking at the under in this spot. And with the Dodgers, one to lay up to a minus 120 with them. 961, 962 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees. They hit the road to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. As it is going to be Javi Garrow, who's going to be the opener for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's expected to be a bulk game for Josh Fleming. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole is on the bump for the New York Yankees. As I am recording this, there are currently no numbers up, but I do have my handicap. I did say Garrett Cole is a minus 135 favorite, and they might tell us 7.2. This means that a 7 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at. The subtle over and a seven half or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Now with Javi Guerra. You got to expect him to be probably about a two inning guy, and this is very much to be expected with the Tampa Bay Rays. And this was something that I did factor in when I did make my handicap for this one because the Tampa Bay Rays oftentimes are going to trot out there an opener for Josh Fleming. And you might be wondering, oh, what sort of a difference does an opener make for Josh Fleming? It actually has made a rather substantial one because when Josh Fleming comes out of the bullpen, he's been much more effective just throughout his entire career. As a reliever, he's got a three. 41 ERA. His home runs per nine rate is right around about a 0.65. Meanwhile, when he has been a starter throughout his career, his home runs per nine rate jumps to a 1.3 and he's got a 605 ERA. That is about a two and a half point difference with regards to his ERA. Although I will say Javier are probably the worst of the Tampa Bay relievers. So that is a little bit of an issue, but that is worth pointing out. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, this is an offense that is not getting a lot generated. They were able to get some he's late in the game yesterday as Harrison Bader has been a big addition for the team. He had a home run a little bit earlier in the series. and you do have GJ LeMayu moving the line. He's got a 345 on base. Anthony Rizzo has been able to about a two eighty as well. And he's able to provide a little bit of power. But got a lot of dead bats currently in the lineup. Kylo Gashioka, Aaron X, Jake Powers, Isaiah Kenner Falefa. You're able to go down the list of guys. They're in a sub two twenty. Anthony Volpe has been able to steal bases, but he's only in a two twenty himself, so there's been a lot of issues there. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, they lead the leg at darn near every offensive category. We have seen a few guys like Luke Rayleigh, along Christian Bethancourt, Brandon Lau as well, hitting below 235. But with Lau, he still is providing a lot of power. You've got Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Randy Oroz Arena. All these guys are hitting above a 300. All these guys have been able to give you 9 plus home runs this far this season as well. Harold Ramirez, he's hitting a 3.36 home runs. You just take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They're hitting righties. They're hitting lefties. But they are also going up against a New York Yankees lineup that has been absolutely amazing in terms of their bullpen. You take a look at these two teams that entered into the series in the top three nationally in terms of ERA. Right now it is the New York Yankees, as a matter of fact. As number one with this regard, Clay Holmes was used up yesterday. So, 14 you don't have to deal with that as Michael King, Juan Mananacchio, Wani Peralta, Jimmy Cordero, Albert Abreu, also pri- applying a sub-2-7 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, I do think that you're going to be able to get some good production out of guys like Colin Poucher, Ryan Thompson, Jason Adam and company in this bullpen as well. But Eric Cole has just been absolutely rolling. As far as this season, a buck 35 ERA. No home runs allowed in 46 and two-thirds innings. I could see that coming to an end here. He has been getting 10 strikeouts for nine innings, which for his standard is honestly a little bit low, but you know what, about 2.7 walks. For nine innings, he has been rock solid. So I did set the Yankees at a minus-135 on the layup to a minus-134. Them need at least a plus-136 to tag the Tampa Bay Rays. Seven or less, looking at the over-seven-half prior to the under. 963-964 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins. They had their red face-off against the Cleveland Guardians. as Cal Quantrill. is going to be going for the Guardians. And Joe Ryan is on the bump. For Minnesota, Minnesota is between a minus-120 to a minus-130 favorite, anywhere between plus and we are doing plus-105 and plus-115. Your number on Cleveland, it is the total. Under is minus-115. The over is five, And with the Guardians, need at least a plus-115 to be able to back them, and looks like we are starting to get those numbers. So... This is going to be a play for me on the Cleveland Guardians as long as we can get maybe a penny or two more. But, I mean, plus 115 is pretty much my minimum buy point here with them. Cal Quantrill has been absolutely amazing for the Cleveland Guardians. Somehow, someway, they are 19-3. Straight up in his last 22 starts. He just always gets you to the window. And he doesn't do anything that's really impressive. Cal Quantrill is not a guy that's going to be lighting up the radar gun since the beginning part of last season. He's been getting between about six and a half to 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. And he hasn't even been that good this year. He's got a 4.73 ERA. He's been giving up about 2.6, 2.7 walks per 9 innings. 4 home runs a lot. Across 32 and a third innings, he's been a little bit unlucky on balls and play as he's given out three plus runs and now three out of his last five starts. But, I mean, he just really went out there. Held down the fort, made sure to not completely light the game on fire, and the team has been able to pull them out. Meanwhile, Joe Ryan, he's a borderline Cy Young candidate right now. Unfortunately, Garrett Colas just completely ran away with the thing at this point. But, I mean, for Joe Ryan, he has been tremendous, giving up five runs across his last four starts, just three walks in that time span. Seven plus punch outs and four out of his last five starts. This guy has been absolutely superb as He's also been able to do a great job on the road. Buck 80 road, ERA, five runs surrendered in 25 innings thus far this season. Now for the Minnesota Twins, they do back them with a little bit of a lesser bullpen. The Cleveland Guardians have the best bullpen in the big leagues since the All-Star break of the 2022 season. Meanwhile, for the Twins... They're 12th in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, I do think that you're going to be seeing some of these guys be able to pick it up a little bit more as they've got Jorge Alcala back from the injured list. Giovanni Morin, who had a 3 ERA last season. He's been rocking north of a 4-5 ERA as far as the season, but you still have Yonder, and you just want to be avoiding Emilio Pagan. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, got a pair of guys, and James Karin, Jack along, Nick Sandlin, that have been posting up north of a 3-5 ERA, unlike them, but Aniel De Los Santos, Trevor Steven, they're on their Emmanuel Colossae. These guys have been very tremendous in this bullpen, What has not been tremendous for the Cleveland Guardians. The utter lack of power going into the game on Saturday, dead last in the American League in terms of home runs, 17 home runs this season, with nobody entering into Saturday with north of four and I mean they were able to overcome that last season. The Guardians made the playoffs with the second fewest home runs in the big leagues, but the reason why is that you had so many guys that were able to do a good job of getting on base. Andre Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon. All these guys last year had at least a 270. This season they're hitting a 230 or lower. You still have Stephen Quad hitting about a 270. Jose Ramirez and you get 285 as well, but you just need a little bit more out of these guys, and for the Minnesota Twins, getting back, Ore Polanco has been very big for the team, as he's been hitting darn near 300. since his return, but Carlos Correa continues to be terrible. He's sitting below the Middles line of honor maybe giving Willie Castro some starts. He hasn't been able to pick it up. Max Kepler is starting to show a little bit more, but power numbers have not necessarily been there. I will say, though, Byron Buxton, over the last 15 days, he's been able to slug out five home runs. He's hitting well above 300, so things are starting to pick up there. Ryan Jeffress has been able to about a 273, but have a lot of guys that Right aren't struggling. When Joey Gallo's been out there, it's been a little bit rough for him recently as well after a nice start to the season. So this is a circumstance where at north of a plus 115, I'm going to be willing to back the Cleveland Guardians on the money line. I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. Guardians do a good job with their pitching. So, somebody tell us 7.8, looking at the under and looking at the Guardians at anything above a plus 115. 965-966 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's in the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. Ryan Yarbrough goes for the Royals and Mason Miller is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is as low as a minus-106, as good as even money. Anywhere between minus-116 to a minus-104 is your number. On Kansas City, 9.5 is the total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus-105 to a minus-115. It's up by total and a 9.2. I'm going to be looking at the under, despite the fact that we've got two of the bottom four bullpens in the big leagues going at it. And the big reason why is because I actually really like what I've seen out of Mason Miller. His last start, he went 7-8 innings. He gets yanked, and then the bullpen completely yaks up the game. But with Mason Miller, this guy was a strikeout artist at the minor league level with like 13 punchouts per nine innings, Has it's shown quite as much of that here at the big league level and can sometimes be a little bit loose with the walks. But by and large, it's a whole lot better than what you're getting from anyone else for the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, for Ryan Yarbrough, it's been rough for him to say the least as he's currently posting up a 740 ERA he is not a strikeout guy that has been giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. Uh, and it's not necessarily a great combination. I will say, for the Oakland A's, they have been able to generate runs on the road. Entering into Saturday's game on the road, this has been a bunch. Has been hitting right in the neighborhood about a 253, And you've got a trio of guys in Brent Rooker, Shea Langolaris, and Asus Aguiar. They provided 15 home runs in their first 15 road games of the season. So, they have been able to get a little bit of something there. You do have a few guys like Elamendiz, Diaz, Kevin Smith. These guys have not been very good, but Estereo Ruiz has been able to move the line as well. For the Kansas City Royals, this has been a little bit of a horror show in terms of their lineup as well. But all of a sudden, Salvador Perez is starting to find that old form of his as he's now been able to give the team right around six home runs as far this season you take a look at him over the last 15 days hitting above 300 he's been able to supply four bombs in that time span Vinny Pescatino he's hanging at 296 home runs as far this season and Bobby Wood junior he's been able to give you five home runs as well it's about bottom of the fold that is killing this team as Kyle Isabel, Fred Reyes, Michael Massey, Jackie Bradley Jr., MJ Melendez, Nate Eaton, all ending at 209 or lower. So that has been a disaster to say the least for this Kansas City Royals team. But Royals still do have a little bit of a better bullpen than the Oakland A's. Honestly, I do like the fact that the Oakland A's, they get Spencer Patton. He was very good a few seasons ago when he was over with the Texas Rangers, but Sammy Long, Rico Garcia, Shatero Fujinami, this might be one of the worst bullpens in the history of baseball. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, Scott Burlow's rocking north of a 5 ERA. Taylor Clark has been a disaster. Roaldus Chapman has honestly been fine, right around a 3 ERA. Josh is starting to look a little bit more like himself, but I do think that the Oakland A's are just going to find a way to yak this game away because... That is exactly what the Oakland A's do. This is a circumstance where I did set the Royals at a minus 143. I'm going to be willing to back them on the money line. So my total at 9.2, I expect another good start out of Mason Miller. So looking at the under and looking at the Royals, 967, 968 on the betting board. This is a DK Nation right up pick as we've got the Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the LA Angels. As says, Jose Suarez is going for the Halos and Marty Perez is on the bump for Texas. Texas is anywhere between even money to a plus 108, anywhere between minus one. 15, a minus 124 is your number on the Angels. 9.5 is your total. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105, and I made the Rangers a minus 126 favor. We're going to be riding with them on the money line. Hopefully they can do a little bit more for us than the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds have last two days on these write-up picks, but for the Texas Rangers, they've got someone in Martin Perez, who has a two forty one ERA that I do think it's gonna be going northward a little bit. He's been a tad bit lucky on balls in play. He's only getting about seven and a half strike cuts. Per nine innings, but it's buttoning things up with the walks. 2.4 walks per nine innings. That is on pace to be really the best mark of his career. He's been able to do a really good job of just being able to hold down the four, make sure to not light the game on fire. And he's had a lot of success against the LA Angels. He's made five starts against the LA Angels the past two seasons 254 ERA, no home runs allowed at 20 and a third innings. And he's really done a good job of limiting hard contact. Last two seasons. Meanwhile, you've got someone in Mr. Suarez with a 789 ERA with 2.9 home runs at five blocks allowed per nine innings as far this season. This guy's already been lit up by the Oakland A's at home and throughout his career, Suarez has not been good at home. 555 home ERA compared to a 497 road ERA, giving up 1.7 bombs per nine innings at home and As we know, it plays a little bit more hitter friendly in Los Angeles during the daytime. Now, I will say, what is really stunning about this matchup is that you've got an LA Angels team that is currently, as I do this show, prior to their game against the Texas Rangers on Saturday, number two in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. So, I dove in on this a little bit more. Their ex-fit, their expected fielding independent is actually 15th. There is massive, massive regression coming for this LA Angels bullpen. They are not going to keep this up. These guys are schlubs. They are not going to do this. I can guarantee you that. Now, I do like Matt Moore, the former Texas Ranger. He's had a sub-2 ERA over the last two seasons. And I will say Andrew Wants, probably picking things up as well. Sub-1 ERA, but still have Ryan Tapera out there. He's been giving you about a 9 ERA. Carlos Susebas, he's getting out of Colorado was big for him, but Chris Javinsky... He's never really been that good, and for the Texas Rangers, relatively solid bullpen in their own right. Right around 17th in the league in terms of bullpen area, entering into yesterday, Jonathan Hernandez throwing their Brock Burke and Jose Leclerc, they all had a sub-3 ERA. Last season, Josh DeBoris is able to give you a few solid innings as well, but this is also a Texas Rangers team that, even though they go up against an LA Angels bunch as averaging about 6.1 runs per game, they're number two in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, with right around a 6.3. They've been without Corey Seager the last few weeks, and it hasn't mattered as guys like Ezekiel Duran, Jonah Heim, Marcus Simeon, Travis Jankowski at least a two eighty-five. They're all providing at least a 370 on base. Josh Young, he's been able to slug out eight home runs. He's hitting about a 265 alongside Mitch Garver, Leote Taveras. So this team is locked and loaded there. And Elise Garcia has also been able to supply seven plus home runs. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, you've been able to get some very good power out of Hunter Renfro, Shoya Otani, Mike Trout, all between seven and eight home runs entering into yesterday. And I will say Brandon Drury has been on a little bit of a nice run as well. He's been able to supply the team with five home runs over the last 15 days, so that helps them out, but I've had a few guys that have been a little bit rough in this lineup as well. The catcher, Logan Hoppe, being out the full netters. Chad Wallach has been able to hit up 300 in the interim. I don't think that that is going to be lasting very long. Luis Renifo, Jake Lamb, Taylor Ward hitting between about a 232-235. has been a little bit up and down for this team as well. But I do think that Jose Suarez is going to be getting lit up. And I do think that there's going to be a bit of regression for Martin Perez as well. So I did say my total at 9.7. Here at a a 9.5, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over, but DK Nation right up pick, made the Texas Rangers a minus-125 favorite, so rocking with the Rangers, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Houston Astros on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Brandon Bilek is going to be going for the Astros. Bryce Miller is on the bump. For the Mariners, and the Mariners are anywhere between minus 115 to minus 122 favorite, anywhere between even money and plus 110 is your number on the Houston Astros, and I feel like the Astros should be a slight favorite. I set them at a minus 117. I'm going to be willing to go with them. Now, Brandon like when he's been given opportunities at the big league level, he hasn't necessarily taking full advantage of them in recent seasons, but just watching the way that he came on in long relief a few days ago did leave me relatively impressed at the minor league level thus far this season. He was getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. He was able to work on the walks because that's really what has been ailing Brandon Bielak whenever he's gotten an opportunity at the big league level. He's given on 4.1 walks Per nine innings at the minor league level this season, he had went from having 4.4 walks per nine innings last season to 2.7 walks this year. And he's going up against a Seattle Mariners team that they just are stuck in the wilderness in terms of being able to move the line and get on base. Entering into Saturday night, the Seattle Mariners hitting at 218 as a collective. That is dead last in the big leagues. And Jerich Helmick has honestly not been the issue. In recent years, he had been... Just a big giant flopperoni, but I mean, thus far this season, hitting nearly a 300, being able to supply seven home runs. He's been solid there. And Tasker Hernandez has been able to give you seven home runs as well, but he, along with so many others, starting at 222 or lower, he joins Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, Tommy Lucella. Colton Wong, Taylor Trammell, A.J. Pollock, all hitting a 2.22 or worse. You've got Eugenio Suarez who's been able to give you about a 3.25 on Mesa Luntai France, but and it's been a rough lineup. Now, with the Seattle Mariners, they also are going to do a very good job of backing up their starter and Mr. Bryce Miller with a very good bullpen, as this bunch is a top-five team in terms of bullpen area, and really both of these teams are two of the best bullpens you're going to find in the big leagues. The Houston Astros last year, they were number one of the league in terms of bullpen area, entered into yesterday number 5. The Mariners, they entered number 4 after being number 6 a season ago. So both of these teams, they're able to lock it down. As for the Houston Astros, Ryan Sanic has been a little bit more testy this year, but You've had so many guys be able to back up what they did a season ago, like Hector Neres, Rafael Montero, throw in there, Phil Maton, all these guys have been able to do a solid job. They're close to Ryan Presley, is very good, and for the Mariners, even though they've had some injuries, guys like Andres Munoz and company, Taylor Saucedo, Justin Topa, these are guys that have really stepped up for them to go along with what they already had. They are currently without Diego Castillo, which honestly is probably an advantage, but the big question is, what are you going to be able to get of the young starter in Brighton? Bryce Miller, because... With Miller, he started out the year at the minor league level, and, and he wasn't good at the minor league level in AA to begin the season. He had made four starts, was posting up north of six ERA. now. If you did look at his 2022 numbers, was very good. He went from high baseball all the way up to AA and had a 316 ERA, 11 punch-outs per nine innings, but was giving up right around three walks per nine innings. I've got more question marks when it comes to Miller rather than like because he's also going to be facing off against a better lineup. Even though the Astros have been a little bit slow going because they're without Jose Altuve, they're without Michael Brantley. You still have to fear Jordan Alvarez, who seems at like 800 with men in scoring position. I have no idea how. I have no idea why, but he's got those powers. You've got Kyle Tucker along Christian Jolks, wearing between about 270. 280 with Tucker providing a 375 on base, six home runs this far this season. It has been a team that has been a little bit breath of power going into yesterday. 30 home runs across their first 32 games of the season that's below average in the big leagues. Alex Bregman off to one of his patented slow starts, hitting at 210 with four home runs this far this season. And Jose Abreu has yet to hit a home run, and that has been very shocking. But Mauricio Dubon has made a move the line as well. So I do think that the Astros they are going to be able to get their bats online. I guess a young guy in Bryce Miller that does have a little bit of a command issue. I do think that the Mariners as well, they're going to scratch across a few runs on b Like and keep in mind Seattle's going to play a lot more hitter friendly because this is going to be a daytime game. So I said my total at an 8.7 look at the over, but with the Astros, I feel like they should be the favorite to set them at a minus 117. So we at going to the Astros' money line to go along this total over. 971-972 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles are on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Bryce Elder is going to be going for the Bravos and Tyler Wells hopes to pitch yeah. <laughs> Wells for Baltimore. And Baltimore is anywhere between a plus 133 to a plus 143 underdog. In between minus 152 to a minus 165 is your number on Atlanta. 9.5 is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. And I did saw my total at 8.7. I'm going to be looking at the under. Been very impressed by what I've been seeing out of young Bryce Elder thus far this season as he has come out done a really good job with his command as he has given up right around 2.3 walks per 9 innings three home runs allowed in 36 innings. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here. He's getting eight strikeouts per nine innings and rocking a buck 75 ERA. But I mean, by and large, against good and less than good competition, he has dominated it all. So I do think that that is a very good sign there. Meanwhile, for Tyler Wells, he's been a better road pitcher than he has been a home pitcher throughout his career. You go back to his 2022 numbers, 479 home ERA compared to a 381 ERA on the road because he was giving up fewer home runs nine innings. has always been relatively solid in terms of his command, even last year. About two and a half walks per nine innings to six walks across 35 innings this year. As a matter of fact, he's given up more home runs than walks this far this season, which can be a little bit of an issue because it's going up against an Atlanta Braves lineup that you've got all sorts of matchers entering into yesterday. You had a trio of guys with nine home runs, only team in the big leagues that's able to say that. Matt Olsen, Ozzy Albies, along with Sean Murphy, and with Olsen 365 on base, Murphy's providing a 440 on base. Travis Sarno going down, you thought was going to hurt this team, but Murphy has been absolutely amazing, and then you've got other guys that just find a way to be able to move the line. Austin Riley, after a slow start to the season, he entered into yesterday with six home runs. I do think that he is going to be able to pick it up moving forward for this team. We saw what he was able to do during the summer months last year. Ronald Acuna Jr. 444 on base, so you have got so many good bats for the Atlanta Braves. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Royals, this has been a top-8 team in terms of runs produced as well, with having the only duo in Cedric Mullins and Ore Mateo, both exceeding 10 stolen bases thus far this season. You've got Ramon Urias, who's been able to provide about a 385 on base. Ode Mateo, 6 home runs, sitting above three hundred. Ryan Mountcastle has been able to slug out 8 home runs. Adelie Rushman is providing north of a 400 base. So, you've got good balance across this lineup and for the Baltimore Orioles, Keegan Aiken along. Sino Perez have seen a little bit of regression this year, but Everyone else has really been able to do their job. Entered into Saturday, 8th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, Yannir Cano, I believe, has yet to give up a run thus far this season. Danny Columbia is providing a sub five ERA. Mike Bowman, Brian Baker, these guys are able to give you multiple innings. And for the Atlanta Braves, relatively league average bullpen, right around 15th to 16th. In terms of bullpen ERA, Michael Tonkin has been very good, though. Got guys longer in the truth and Jesse Chavez along Kirby Ace. have been up and down to say the least, but now you've got Rossio Iglesias back in the fold. Dylan Lee has been able to do a solid job as well, so I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be able to get a good start on Bryce Elder. I did set the Braves' money line at a minus 156. If you're taking a look at the run line in this ordeal, it's anywhere between 118 and a plus 125 with the Braves. Needed at least a plus 123 to be able to take a shot, so I'm going to be looking at that plus 125 run line personally and I did set my dollar at an 8.7, especially with this being such an early game following up a night game. This is a Peacock game that has first pitch at 11.35 a.m. Eastern. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and the Braves at a plus 125 on the run line. 973, 974 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Tybal Walker is going for the Phills, and Tanner Alka is on the bum for Boston. And Boston, anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 115 underdog, anywhere between minus 118 to a minus 125. Your number on the Phillies, and total on is 9.5. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 125, the over is any between minus 105 to a plus 105, and with Boston, I did set them as an underdog, of 142, I'm going to be willing to back the Phillies. Phillies have done an amazing job of being able to get on base in general. The power has not really been there, but I do think that adding Bryce Harper back to the fold, that is really going to be able to help them out as you've got Nick Cassianos, Brandon Marsh, Christian Pache. Bryson Stott, Omondo, Sosa, all guys that entered into yesterday hitting above a 295. And then other guys like JT Rimuto, Alec Boehm, they're hitting about a 270. The big thing is the only guy that entered into yesterday with north of four home runs was Kyle Schwarber with seven home runs. And he's really the lone guy that has not been able to provide a lot of pop. Now with the Philadelphia Phillies. You've got an albatross known as his bullpen, as Jose Alvarado has been amazing for the team, but Sir Anthony Dominguez not having one of his best years north of a 5 year entering into yesterday. Gregory Soto has been able to find it, and Andrew Vasquez has been solid. Why they employ Craig Kimbrell, I have absolutely no idea. The Boston Red Sox learned the hard way about that. And for the Red Sox, they actually entered into Saturday night in the top half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, ninth, as a matter of fact, I don't think that this is going to be maintaining. They've got Zach Liddell on the bullpen. Richard Blyer, Ryan Brazier I have north of five ERAs. John Schreiber is someone I do like, and they've got Chris Martin back, but Brandon Bernardino. He entered into yesterday having not given up a run all season long. I don't think that that's going to be withstanding, and then you've got Tanner Oak He's got a 534 ERA. Hasn't given up a lot of hard contact, and he never really has throughout his career. Can be a little bit wild, though. He has been giving up right around 3.5 walks per nine innings, and has given up at least three runs at each out of his last three starts. Meanwhile, you've got a guy in Taiwan Walker who's giving up quite a bit of contact in general. His swing and miss stuff is a tad bit better this year. He's been able to get nine strikeouts per nine innings recent years, though. He has been very Lucky on balls in play. That is regress seven home runs given up in twenty two thirds innings. And when you are walking north of five guys per nine innings, that is a little bit of an issue, especially when you go up against the Boston Red Sox team that they entered into yesterday, third in the big leagues in terms of just sheer run production. As you've got a lot of guys that are able to move the line. Alex Verdugo, Masataka Yoshida, both entered in yesterday, hitting a three fifteen. These guys have gotten as hot as lava. All of a sudden, Connor Wong is able to. Hit. But a 270, Justin Turner down for what? A 365 on base. Rafael Devers not really inning for average, but 11 home runs as far this season. But on the full guys like Tris Costas and company has been a little bit rough. But out of Boston Red Sox team that they are able to supply some boom. So I did set my total in this spot at a 9.3. Now that we're up to a nine and a half. I do think the bookmakers are starting to adjust a little bit too much because I do think that Tywon Walker is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here. So, going to be taking a look at the under in this one. But with Tywon Walker, I trusted him a little bit more than Tanner off. So, I'm going to be willing to lay the number with the Phillies. Willing to lay up to a minus 142 to go along with this so total under. 975, 976 on the betting board. And is he drawn to Blue Jays, they hit the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. As don't see Contreras so is going to be going for the Buckos and Yusei Kikuchi is on the bump for Toronto, and Toronto is a minus one twenty-five to a minus one thirty-five favorite. Any between plus one ten to a plus one twenty is your number on Pittsburgh. Nine is the total. The under is between minus one ten to a minus one twenty. The over and is any between even and minus one ten. And if you're looking at that Blue Jays run line, you're only getting in a lot of places and between about a plus one fifteen to a plus one twenty. This is a circumstance where I'm actually looking a little bit more to take a run and a half. With the Pittsburgh Pirates, I need at least a plus one twenty to be able to take a shot here, but being able to get a run and F at about a minus one thirty-five or so on the Pittsburgh Pirates, that's my initial lean, unless we can get north of a plus one twenty, which was the opener in this one, but with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I do think that they are going to be able to do a solid job of be able to hang in this game because it is a Toronto Blue Jays bullpen that has been all sorts of testy this season. For the Blue Jays, you've had Anthony Bass, Yimi Garcia, along Zach i all provide north of a four ERA, so that's a little bit of an issue. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, entered into yesterday, A top ten team in the big leagues in terms of Penny Array now. Jose Barrios actually provided a very good serve for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. Very shocking and what's not shocking is the fact that the Toronto Blue Jays are continuing to move the line and they just have tremendous hitters in general as you got Guerrero Jr. along with Bobichet, Matt Chapman, all hitting at least a three ten, and all these guys they've been able to do a good job of going yard this season. With Bobichet, he's been able to give you seven home runs, I believe. That Vlad Guerrero Jr. is there as well, but Alejandro Kirk being able to provide north of a four on base, Kevin Kiermeyer hitting a two seventy five, that has been good for the team. And you know that someone like a George Springer who's hitting a two fifteen, Brandon Belt who's hitting about a two hundred, these guys are going to be able to pick it up. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's been very shocking to watch this offense. So we're starting to see some regression here. It's Jack Swinitski, Miguel Anduar, Cabrian Hayes. All these guys have now seen their batting averages dip below a 240. Topico Marcano has been hitting about a 240 as well. But Brian Ronalds, he's able to give you five bombs. He's hitting well north of a 300. Connor Joe has been able to move the line as well. But I do think that Ronsi Contreras is going to be able to hold in there against Yusei the Kikuchi. But for Kikuchi, what has been a big key for him is that he has actually dialed back his swing and miss stuff as he has gotten more and more strikeouts in the big leagues, his walks go higher and higher, and last year he had north of five walks per nine innings, had absolutely no command whatsoever on the road. He had seen his ERA go from north of five last year back to more around a more respectable four-range this season because he has been able to do a better job. With regards to that command, meanwhile, you've got Ronci Contreras, who is giving up four and a half walks per nine innings, but is allowed just one home run and 33 innings. Meanwhile, Kikuchi is allowed eight of them, and for Ronci Contreras, I do think that he is starting to really come into his own. It's been a little bit wobbly for him in his big league career thus far, but five runs under over the course of his last three starts. The walks are a little bit of an issue, but clearly has good raw stuff, so this is a circumstance where I need at least a plus 118 to be able to take a shot on the Pittsburgh Pirates, but being able to get right around to minus 135 to get a run and half, that's where I'm looking right now, and it did so by told it, an 8.6, so here to 9, going to be taking a look at the under to go along the Pittsburgh Pirates, getting a run and half on the run line, 977, 978 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Stephen Mass is going to be going for the Cards. Alex Fiedo is on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is any between plus 160 and plus 170 underdogs. any between minus 185 to a minus 195 your number on St. Louis. Nine is your total. The over is between minus 110 to a minus 130. The under is any between plus 110 and And minus one ten, and I did set my total to nine point three. Going to be taking a look at the over. The Detroit Tigers entered into the series, dead last in the American League in terms of runs per game. But now the St. Louis Cardinals have allowed at least five runs in each out of their last six games, and. They are 0-6 when Steven Matz takes a bump this year. It has been absolutely terrible to watch what they have been doing this far this season. And for Steven Matz, I just don't understand why he's currently employed on a big league roster as he just has not been able to find it all season long. A little bit north of three walks per nine innings. And this dates all the way back to 2016. He has given up at least 1.5 home runs per nine innings. And I believe all but one of those seasons as He's been giving up a whole bunch of hard contact just throughout the entirety of his career. Thus far this season, that has been withholding as he has given up six home runs over the course of 31 innings. And for Fajardo, he was given a few opportunities at the big league level last season, was not really able to seize them in 12-stars. He had a 5.53 ERA, walks per nine rate, was a little bit all over the place, and you could tell that he was still trying to come into his own a little bit more in terms of the swing and miss stuff, only about 7.5 punch outs per nine innings, but I am a little bit encouraged by what I saw at the minor league level this year out of him as he's one of the better prospects that you're going to find in the Detroit Tigers system, especially with all the injuries that they've had to overcome. But 2.50 ERA, 9.5 strikeouts to two walks per nine innings, and five starts this far this season at A Toledo. And is backed up by a bullpen that it's not great by any stretch of the imagination because they did lose a lot of guys that were sort of those fulcrum guys from a season ago. Gregory Soto, along with Andrew Chafin, Joey Menas, guys like that. But you've had Jason Foley be able to supply us up to ERA. Jose Cicerno is still relatively solid as well. and. It's a St. Louis Cardinals bullpen that hasn't been doing a whole like, a lot better themselves. The Cardinals are currently ranked 15th in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen area. there's only about a tenth of a point separation between these two bullpens, as Ryan Helsley has not looked like the same guy that he was towards the beginning of the 2022 season. You've got Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, a pair of guys that I really do like, but when you get into some of these guys like Chris Stratton and company, that is not necessarily too terrific. And for the Cardinals... The issue with this team is not the offense. I recognize that you don't have a lot of guys that have really been able to exceed three home runs thus far this the season, and Nolan Arenado certainly has been getting off to a rough start as he's currently in at 241. He's supplied just three home runs thus far this the season, while Paul Goldschmidt still provides right around a four arm base. Four home runs. Nolan Gorman is right now leading the way. By the way, with seven bombs hitting at 3:45 in terms is on base, but just a lineup that is littered with guys that are able to move the line and limited basketball, The young has looked relatively good. Lars Nupar is providing a 4:22 on base. When Jordan Walker was out there, he was doing solid. They actually optioned him down to Triple A, which I'd be fine to be a little bit befuddling there. But by and large, it's been a lineup that has been just fine. And for the Detroit Tigers, that has been the issue for this team because you really have only two guys to carry Carpenter and Nick Mayton that will be able to provide any sort of power whatsoever. They've got four home runs each as the team, as a collective. They'll be able to supply 27 home runs, but... Now you're getting Riley Green on base as he's been able to a 270. Matt Fearling has been able to move the line. Andy Ibanez is a young infielder for the team that's hitting right around 275. And Javi Baez, after he got called out for not hustling, to say the least, maybe that's exactly what this team needed. Because ever since then, this Detroit Tigers team has gotten on a little bit of a run. They've now won five straight games. And in the last 15 days, Javi Baez is actually hitting a 350 with all three of his home runs coming in that time span. So, I take a look at the Detroit Tigers and they're getting the St. Louis Cardinals at just the right time. I was willing to take anything north of a 160 with the Detroit Tigers. No faith whatsoever in here in Steven Matz, who has just continued to supply that 639 ERA and give up four and a half walks for nine innings. So going to be taking a look at Detroit on the money line, semi total at 9.3. So looking at the nine over, and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. And it's the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. And the playoffs to the Chicago White Sox. Michael Gobeck is going to be going for the Sox and. Graham Ashcraft on the bump for Cincinnati. Nine is the total. The overs is anywhere between minus 115 to even money. Unders between minus 105 to minus 120 with the Reds. They are anywhere between minus 116 to minus 125 favorites. And between plus 105 to plus 110 is your number on the White Sox. And it's not the Reds at a 146. So I'm going to be willing to take them on the money line. Chicago White Sox entered into yesterday second worst in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA and... For Michael Kopech, he just has not been able to keep the ball in the yard all season long, as he has supplied eight home runs in 31 and two thirds innings, and this is compounded by the fact that his walks per nine rate is hovering right around six strikeout numbers are back up. He's getting nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But when you give up that many walks and that many home runs, it really does not matter. Meanwhile, Graham Ashcraft, despite the fact that Cincinnati is one of the biggest band box ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues, he's allowed just one home run in 36 innings as far this season. Walks are up. He's getting right around four walks per nine innings after that was more on 2.6, 2.7. Last season, swing and miss stuff. Still isn't great. It's up a little bit from last year, but he's still right around 7, 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, but has really done a nice job of being able to induce soft contact. Now, the one thing that is ailing the Reds is that they don't have any power in this lineup. 22 home runs in their first 32 games of the season with nobody hitting north of 3 home runs now. They didn't have a single guy returning from last year that had North of twelve home runs to start out with, but you do have guys that are able to get on base for the team, as T.J. Friedel, along with Nick Senzel, Henry Ramos, all entered in the yesterday, thinking about between about a 350 to a 370 in terms of their on base. Heather Stevenson is in that fold as well. Jonathan India, 375 on base. He's been able to do a good job of moving the line. And for the Cincinnati Reds, their bullpen is in the top 13 in terms of ERA. Now, they are missing Fernando Cruz. He was one of their better pieces last season. But Alexis Diaz in his two seasons at the big leagues, sub-250 ERA. Lucas Sims, Alex Young, sub-3 ERAs out of them. Casey Lagamina has been able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, for the White Sox, I mean, Gregory Santos has been legitimately your top bullpen guy. You've been able to get a little bit of production out of Keenan Middleton, but guys like Aaron Bummer, Kendall Graveman, these guys that you know and love, Reynaldo Lopez, all providing north of a 5 ERA, and it's been absolutely atrocious for this bunch. Now, the good news for the White Sox, they do get back into the fold Tim Anderson, and they badly need him, but this is a White Sox team as a collective. They're in the bottom eight in terms of batting average. They really don't take their base on the road, they're a bottom five team in terms of on base percentage. They do have Luis Robert, who's been able to do a relatively solid job. He entered into yesterday with seven home runs. He's now hitting about a two fifty for this bunch, but with Anderson, he has out looked like himself since coming back. We got answer alberto, Sebi Savala, Elvis Andrews. Lying below the Medellin line of 200. He has Monty Grandal. Andrew attendee being able to give you a little bit of on base has been helping out a tab, But this is not a White Sox team that necessarily is full of a bunch of thumpers as well. So I did something I told at 8.8. I do think that Graham Ashcraft going to do a good job tying up the Chicago White Sox team now. With the Reds, they do average a little bit north of five runs per game at home compared to about 3.4 on the road, but they're not a team that necessarily goes deep. So I do think that Kopeck is gonna be in for a little bit of a better start here, but he just still has been giving up a lot of walks, which I think is gonna doom him, especially with his bullpen on tap. So somebody told it an eight point eight, looking at the under and will take the reds on the money line as I set them at a minus one forty six. And that wraps things up for the Sunday edition of the baseball betting show, now part of the Easton family podcast. Big thanks to Javon Alford over at Sporting News for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to help for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming Maybe she wants to get more. Thank you so much for tuning in.